thanks for listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. This week, student pastor Caleb Farrow continues our series, So That You May Know. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Caleb Farrow. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Auburn, and it is a, a joy and a pleasure to uh, be here this morning to, um, to preach and to share the Word of God uh, with you. We are continuing in uh, a series that, <clears throat> if you were with us last week, uh, Matt Dean kicked off walking through the book of Luke together, and um, it is entitled, So That You May Know, So That You May Know. You misfit, you lonely, you brokenhearted, you who do not feel worthy or known or valued. Luke wrote this so that you may know with certainty that Jesus died for you, that he is with you and wants to be in the mess and the chaos with you, so that you may know with certainty that he died for for your holiness, for your peace, for your identity. And he writes this so that you may know with certainty that all you have heard about Jesus, his miraculous birth, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, victorious resurrection, and second coming are all true, are all 100% true. And so that you may have salvation that comes by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Not in our perfection, but it is in his. And Matt brought also to our attention um, and our hearts towards this joyful responses of Mary and Zechariah with the proclamation of their coming children, Jesus and John the Baptist. And so this morning we're continuing this journey as we spend time in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, with the account of Jesus' birth. Luke shows us in the truths that, that are found here of the pivotal and the cornerstone of Christians then in 60 to 70 AD and, and today and for the future. He writes this so poetically and prophetically, and it's a familiar text for many of us. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I understand that. Um, I grew up in a, in a tradition, in a church um, tradition that uh, did dramatic readings, um, theatrical plays, Christmas cantatas, always having people dressed up as the wise men and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and maybe someone had a baby earlier that year and they would naturally be baby Jesus. Uh, that is the culture that I grew up in. So I, I don't want to take anything away from that because the reason that we did those things and other and churches do those things is so that it would put in front of us the importance of that season, of this season, the importance of the birth of Jesus. But I do want to recognize and lay before us that I understand there's a familiarity that, with this text that sometimes um, we can lose the wonder. We can lose the wonder and the amazement of the moment, of the birth of Jesus, God in flesh coming to earth for the purpose of his death and resurrection, for the saving work that was in his perfect life for those who would put faith in, and hope in him. And so that is what we're coming to the text today. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. If you will open your Bibles and uh, follow along as I read, um, we're going to go through all of this. In those days, a decree went out 
from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee and the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, uh, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them, the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let me pray for us before we continue. Father, you are good. Your word is sufficient. And may I decrease that you may increase this morning. May it not be my words, but, but yours that come out of my mouth, Father. And I pray that you would uh, prepare our hearts and our ears to receive what you have for us this morning as we walk through this wonderful account uh, of your son, Jesus, being born. Father, we love you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever made a wrong choice Anybody made a, a poor decision, right? Maybe, um, maybe you were led astray by a friend. You uh, went, were going to eat after church one day, and you had a familiar place that you wanted to go to, your favorite place, but a friend said, hey, let's try this one out, right? It's good, it's great, you'll love it. You get there, and underwhelming. Or uh, maybe you're the cool guy who has an Android phone. You thought that would be a good decision, and now you're the one who turns all the group text green, right? It's just... <laughs> Poor decision, right? When I, was, uh, when, when I was in college, right at the end of our college career, Sarah and I, uh, we got engaged. That was not the poor decision. That was the greatest decision. Um, I was encouraged to surprise her with um, tickets to a show the next day. Um, and that show was in Atlanta at the Fox Theater. And it was a show called Wicked, right? I was told, this is going to be great. You'll love it. It'll be so much fun. To spare you all of the details, that was the most expensive and uncomfortable nap that I've ever taken in my life. I, I made a poor decision. I was, I was led astray by some of those around me. Sarah's really mad at me right now. She loved it, right? Uh, but I was led astray by those around me. And, and as we come to the text this morning, 
we see what Luke is doing is he's bringing before us a kingdom that can lead you astray. He's presenting a, a kingdom of, uh, of temporary satisfaction that cannot suffice. He's bringing before us a better kingdom. He's bringing before us a better choice, one that will suffice, one that will bring the peace and identity and purpose that we are all searching for in our life, and that is through Jesus. And his birth ushers in that kingdom into the world, into the fray, and into the chaos that is our lives. So as we come to the text, we see in verses 1 through 7 that Jesus brings a kingdom of true power. Jesus brings a kingdom of true power. So, so from the beginning, we see in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus that there's this tension rising. Luke keys us into it with his mentioning of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is exercising his power and authority by making this decree and census for all people. He's revealing to the world, this is how many warriors and soldiers that I can gather up. This is how much money that I can gather up through taxing all of the people. He is praising himself in gathering up this census and gathering up these numbers. He was acting on what he believed to be his own right and census for all power. But, but what he was unaware of, but Luke knew and revealed to us is that all the while God and his sovereignty was governing that moment, placed it in Caesar's heart to draw those people back to their hometown so that Mary and Joseph would go back to Bethlehem where uh, Joseph was from, his lineage was from, so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and fulfilling so many of the Old Testament prophecies that he would be born in that time, in that place for that reason. Caesar acting out of his own will and his own righteousness, trying to showcase his own strength, was actually uh, working out what God had ordained to happen. And, and what a beautiful pack, uh, picture of, um, of just that. And so as we walk through and we see in Luke, uh, in the verses four and five, Luke, the, the historian, he writes out these details in verses four and five so that we can see the fulfillment of prophecies from the Old Testament, right? And so just to walk through a couple of those, we see in Genesis 3, 15, that, that the Savior uh, will be human and will not be an angel, while at the same time in um, Isaiah 9, 6, we see that the Messiah will be God. So Jesus, both fully man and God. Numbers 24, 17, that, that the Messiah will be a Jew. Genesis 49, 10, the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6 says um, that he will come from the family of David. Isaiah 7, 14, born of a virgin. And Micah 5, 2, coming out of Bethlehem. There are many more prophecies from the Old Testament that the birth of Jesus in this season, at this time, in this place fulfilled, these are just a few of them. And Luke, bringing to our minds, bringing into the reader's minds at that time that he is fulfilling those prophecies, that this is the Messiah that you have waited for. It is not the Messiah that you probably thought would come. It is not the one who would come with trumpets and would come with powerful people praising him, but it is the one who is being born in a manger, in a stall, in a feeding trough. It's not exactly the king's entrance that we would think of. And in very much contrast to Caesar Augustus and the way he ruled and reigned, his kingdom ruled and reigned. And Jesus' entrance into history, it is the opposite of Caesar. And so 
we, we come to this moment in this text and we got to ask this question, what, what power is there from such humble beginnings? What authority is there with such little glamour? See, God chose this way that he might reveal what true power to all the world and give true peace through Jesus with whom he is pleased. So let's take a look at verses 8 through 14 as we consider what it means to follow a kingdom of sufficient peace. Sufficient peace. Jesus brings in that kingdom of sufficient peace. And um, if we look at verses 8 through 9, Augustus in his kingdom, he, he enjoyed the praise of the powerful. But, but God sent angels to first announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds. And shepherds, were, they were a necessary profession, but not exactly one that was respected, not exactly one um, that people uh, yearned to become. And, and in fact, in many cases, it was just the opposite. Shepherds were um, not only physically dirty, but they were ceremonially unclean, according to Jewish tradition and culture and laws. And what a wonderful and mysterious approach that God takes um, to sharing the good news with the world of the Messiah's birth to start, to start with these shepherds. Not only is God sharing the great news, the greatest news the world has ever seen or heard with these social outcasts, but he's sharing the entrance of the Messiah with these ceremonially unclean people. And he's sharing this and inviting them into his presence, inviting them to come to the birth of Jesus, to see Jesus face to face. The very first ones that he proclaims the birth of Jesus is to these shepherds. So verse 10 through 12, we see that this is the great news of the gospel that Luke masterfully reminds us of over and over in this book, uh, but specifically this morning that you and I, no, no matter our past, are invited into a relationship with Jesus. We're invited into the presence of God. Despite our current situation of, of pain and suffering or doubt or discontentment in the way that we have maybe even pushed God away right now, that God is inviting us back in. He's calling us back in, reminding us through the birth of Jesus that, that it is not our perfection that, that qualifies us for relationship with him. It is his son, Jesus. It is not us who earn that favor that comes from God. It is the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. So it is not our circumstances or the way we respond, but it is the peace that he brings by his presence. And it's far greater than any temporary relief uh, that we might find from the insufficient nature of the world that we live in. You see, Jesus brings peace into our lives when, when peace shouldn't be there. Peace into our lives when, when peace doesn't make sense for us to have it all, according to that circumstance. Is peace when, when peace is the very last thing that we deserve. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul puts it this way, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God wants you to have that peace. God wants you to have that peace in your situation, in your circumstance, in the chaos of this season. The, the peace that doesn't make sense, that, that it doesn't, makes sense in the circumstance, and it's because we are clinging to the hope of Jesus. As we move to verses 13 and 14, we see that the heavenly hosts proclaim, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
that we can have that sufficient peace because of Jesus. Not that we must earn God's good pleasure, and this is very important. Not that we have to earn God's good pleasure to receive this peace, because that's exactly why Jesus came into the earth, is to earn God's good pleasure for us on our behalf, that we who put our hope and trust in him may have that peace and God's good pleasure uh, because of the work of Jesus in our lives. And so Caesar Augustus, he was known to have, to have implemented a, a Pax Romana, a Roman peace, peace between nations. And so uh, for nearly 50 years, there would be peace on earth, and the Roman earth at least. And the Roman world experienced peace from war right at 30 years when Jesus enters the scene. And it's interesting to think about with, with all the turmoil, the chaos, the massacres, the, the evil that has happened in the history of the world, that God would choose the middle of a peaceful season in the Roman Empire to send his son Jesus. There must be something more there. And it is to clue us into that the peace that this world has to offer that Caesar Augustus could give his people was not the peace that we need at all. It's not the peace that, that you and I long for. It is not the peace that, that you and I desire to have within our souls. And therefore, the things of this earth, the people of this world, they cannot give us the peace that we need. They cannot give us what we want and desire anyways. It is only Jesus who can bring full, sufficient peace because of his work on the cross. And this is the tension between two worlds that, that Luke is placing before us in his gospel, one offering a peace that is both temporary and leaves you always wanting more, the other offering a peace that is both powerful and fully sufficient to our needs, allowing the Apostle Paul to say with confidence in Philippians 4, 12 through 13, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. What you and I are searching for, what you and I need most in our lives will not be found anywhere but in Jesus. And King Jesus' entry into the messiest and most unclean of our world that our world had to offer reveals his deep love for his people and his willingness to enter into our personal mess and chaos for the purpose of our salvation and redemption and for the glory of God. This is the beauty of of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus that was brought to the lowly shepherds rather than the powerful rulers and religious leaders. So after hearing this great news, the shepherds did all that they knew to do, and that is praise God and tell others. And so uh, verse 15, the shepherds, um, we see that Jesus brings a kingdom of, of unconstrained peace. Jesus brings a kingdom of, of this unconstrained peace, this peace that we cannot keep in. And so in verse 15, the shepherds heard this great news uh, from an angel and a choir of heavenly hosts. And, and I don't know about you, but if I have an angel and a choir of heavenly hosts proclaim something before me, I'm, I'm likely going to hear what they have to say, right? And, and so the shepherds in that same vein of response, they hear what is proclaimed to them. And I love that their response was, let's go see what has been done. Not asking for evidence that it hasn't been done yet, when is it going to happen? It was this understanding that, that the Lord had proclaimed it through his messengers. And so therefore, because he said it, it was done. Man, that, that we would have that kind of faith in God's word. 
That, that we would trust the Lord in that way, that because he says it, it is true. And, and so many times in our lives, those around us or, or the media around us or um, the job that we work in, they tell and communicate a, a different story in our life than what God's word says. And too many times we allow those to dictate our identity, those to dictate our purpose, those to dictate our attitudes and our outlook on life rather than who God has claimed us to be rather than what God has said about his people. That, that no matter your circumstance, no matter who you are, you are, you are loved and to the point of sending his own son to die on the cross so that you would know that love. And so we moved to verses 16 through 20, the, the faith of the shepherds to go and see what God proclaimed to already be done. And once they saw it, verse 17 says, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And not only that, but, but everyone who heard what the shepherds told them, they, they wondered at what they were hearing. And not in questioning what they had heard, but in amazement. They'd wondered in amazement that God in flesh had come to the world, that, that the Messiah was truly here to usher in a kingdom that was truly sufficient and truly powerful. I don't know about you, but I sometimes lose the wonder of the gospel. I sometimes lose the wonder of this good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. And I get into the same routines of the traditions of this world. And I, and I pray this season for me and my family and for you and your family that, that we would be like those around the shepherds and the shepherds themselves, that we would be in awe of who Jesus is, in awe of the glory of God, that he would love us this much. And so we continue and we see in verse 19, Mary's response was an, was an internal pondering. May we take that approach this year, that we would internally wrestle and ponder at the glory and amazement of God, get before the Father just alone with him and wonder at how good and gracious he is. And coming into the presence of the Lord, it creates in us a response like the shepherds. And it's reminiscent of Jeremiah 29. 20 verse nine that says, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in and I cannot. So in the middle of that Pax Romana, that Roman priest in complete contrast to the imagery of a king that we might have in our minds and contrary to the prevailing kingdom of that time, the true king is born. Luke reminds us this morning in his account that the birth of Jesus and that there's only one who will bring true peace. There's only one kingdom that truly reigns. There's only one kingdom to live for. And that kingdom is the eternal kingdom of Jesus. So I wanna end tonight, this morning, with the question, what kingdom is it that grabs at your heart? What kingdom is it that, that you naturally lean towards to trust in, to bring in for peace, to bring in for comfort, to bring in for your identity and for your purpose? Is it the temporary kingdom of this world? Is it the, the, the relationships around us that we bring our identity in? 
Is it the job security that we have that, that we place our identity and purpose in? Or, or is it the eternal kingdom that Jesus ushers in to bring full sufficiency, to bring true power, to bring peace, to bring peace into our hearts and into our circumstance and into our lives? So as we go forward in this Christmas season with Christmas Day next week and celebrate the birth of Jesus with family or friends or alone. May we look back on all that he has done and may we trust in Luke's pen through the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that you may know Jesus brings the kingdom to marvel at through his miraculous birth, perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection. And there will you find your salvation and peace that we so desperately are searching for to the praise and glory of God. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening this week. You can find out more about Grace Auburn Church online at graceauburn.church. Thank you.